we sing it? Can we sing it? Is that okay to sing? the Lord with me. I'm just checking the crowd out. Has he been good to you this week? Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, praise God. I don't know how these musicians do it. I, I if I was playing the keyboard or something, I have to stop and raise my hands and worship what I feel. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> it's different when you sing a song than you just kind of normally, I guess I would tag it as since I'm from up north, we were kind of stiff people. Stiff neck, redneck, whatever you call them. We sat down to sing, believe that? We had songbooks. Turn to page 187. It's different now, especially in this atmosphere, isn't it? There's something else that happens is when you close your eyes and you raise your hands and you're, I know we have the words when we sing songs, but you get lost in the worship instead of just kind of in the entertainment mode. If there's one thing you should do, if there's one thing that can help you out in your life and your walk with God is get out of the entertainment mode and get into the worship mode. Oh, my goodness, what a difference. What a difference when I feel the Lord. What a difference when I come into his house and say, thank you, Lord, for thinking of me today. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayers. Whew. Uh, I don't know, I've never, I won't say never, maybe that's the wrong word to use, but the atmosphere of the presence of God is enormous in here. I guess I'm going to preach what God gave me. And I want to encourage you today, Brother Pearl was, and, and um, Sister Lexi was good on, Thursday and everybody so far re leading up to this is to encourage each other. We're in this together, my friends. We're in this together. And God has seen you. I'm here to tell somebody God has seen you in your pain. God has seen you and knows what you go through. We're not there, but he is. And if you want him to touch you even more, there's stuff that you have to do. He can come into this place in this atmosphere, but you're the one that raises your hand. You're the one that takes the step. You're the one that closes your eyes and opens your mouth and releases everything in your heart. You're the one that does all of that, not God. That's how I got the Holy Ghost. I finally realized that I need to stop playing I need to just let go and let God do something for me and kind of just take a leap because he's there to catch you. Hallelujah. What an opportunity it is to be in this place. In this place, lives are changed. My life changed at a Pentecostal altar. It didn't change anywhere else. Didn't change in a nightclub. It didn't change doing the devil's stuff. It didn't change anywhere else. It changed at a Pentecostal altar. If you need something in your life that God can help you with, it's time to change because that's what he's here to do for you. That's how much God loves you is he's given you this opportunity to meet with him. Praise God. 
you have your Bibles or your devices or you want to look on the screen, Joshua, the third chapter. Verses 12 through 17. I've got all kinds of books up here. Maybe we'll have a lesson on something. I don't know. How many are enjoying this book? I'm going to share something with you at the end. I read last night chapter on Try Tears. I remember reading that. If you don't like the way things are going, try tears in prayer. Huh. Joshua 3, verse 12. Now, therefore, take you 12 men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man. It shall come to pass as soon as the souls of the feet of the priest, let's say souls, souls of the feet of the priest that bear the ark, let's say ark, of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priest bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. Verse 15, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up on a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. I'd like to preach to you for a few minutes today on this title, The Crossing. The Crossing. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to get your feet wet. Amen. Lord bless you. you may be seated. <coughs> We're not having foot washing, but you got to get your feet wet. Matthew 7 and 7 says this, and we all can maybe quote it, ask, and it shall be given to you. I don't know why, but God wanted me to put this in here. Ask, and it shall be given to you. How many understand that? Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. In 1851, an artist by the name of Emmanuel Lutz, if you could, Brother John, put that first, or the, I'm sorry, the, there we go. People are familiar with this. Artist by the name of Emmanuel Lutz painted his famous work titled Washington Crossing the Delaware. How many are ready to cross into something good for God? Some facts about this event in our nation's history was that it took place on Christmas Day in 1776. Washington needed a victory. His one loss record, major battles, was three wins, nine losses. And yet we won the war. Huh. The Continental Army had low morale. Why are you preaching this, Raj? Because sometimes it feels overwhelming that all this stuff that goes on in our lives and some report after report after news after this after that seems to be overwhelming and you think, man, what's the use? 
Anybody else with me? Their low morale, 40% was up for re-enlistment in the next week. He was going to lose 40% of the army in January. People don't, they don't know that, what went on here. I just a little war, a little battle, Trent never killed history. This guy had a lot of stuff heading his way. Trenton was across the icy Delaware River, but he had to get across. There were three attempts that were unsuccessful. What you're looking at is the fourth attempt. Why did he make it this time? Why, why would Washington just say, man, I've tried three times? He got across because of some guys called the Marbleheaders from Marblehead, Massachusetts, led by Colonel John Glover. There was a book written about him called The Indispensables. These were the guys that you call when nobody else can do the job. Those Marbleheaders were the only ones. They're, they're fishermen from uh, uh, the, the Boston area, and they were tough guys. They went out and they did all kinds of things to fish, to do. They fought the elements of where they lived. <clears throat> and this was difficult, more than difficult. But you know what? It, wasn't, it was nothing new to them. Look at the picture where they're breaking up the ice just to get across. And you think this is just one boat. No. These guys, these marbleheaders, they treated, this is something new I found, they treated their clothes, their pants with tar so that it could be waterproof. Oh, you think, nah, don't do that. That, that would be rough on your skin, wouldn't it? <laughs> but they made it in their Durham flat-bottom boats, 2,500 soldiers, horses, and cannons. And it was a great victory for Washington because of the willingness and the amazing work of these Marblehead guys from Massachusetts. Three other times they failed. This time, asked the Marbleheaders to lead us. And they got across. They were a few hours behind schedule. And you know the rest of the story. There's a movie called The Crossing where you can find out the results of the battle, how it was. It was amazing. So what's the key here, Rog? The key is desire. The key is determination. The key is not to give up. The key is to keep pounding heaven. The key is to keep prayer going. The key is to keep the Bible going. The key is to keep your relationship with God hot and heavy. The key is to not let the world uh, uh, overwhelm you with fear that you decide to cast it out and say, no, it's, it's too great for me. Because other people have made accomplishments. Other people have done things. If you need something from God, the key is not to just give up and say, oh, well, it's just another service. Let me tell you, revival's coming in a mighty way into this country. It's coming in a mighty way to this church and to this nation. I don't want to live. I don't want to believe what all the stuff that they're talking about. I'm going to believe that God's going to do something mightily. Why? That's the end time revival. Why? There's a great awakening that's coming again people are fed up they just can't take it anymore and when you get desperate there's things that happen that nobody else can do why i don't have to be a marble header i just got to know i've got to get across to what god wants me to be so joshua the third and fourth chapter gives us accounts of the children of israel crossing the jordan river into the promised land you think that was an easy thing to do? If you could turn back to my cover picture. You think that's an easy thing to do to cross that? <laughs> Here's some facts to think about. The low estimation of the population of the children of Israel was somewhere between 2 and 3 million. Really? Yeah, that's the low part. Some of them estimated up to 7 million people crossing this place. 
They were led by a cloud during the uh, day and the fire at night through the, through the wilderness. But they picked this site. God did. God picked this time. God's picked this time for you today. God's picked this place for you today. And we have to do what we need to do on ourselves is cross the river. Amen? How many are with me? He picked the time of harvest. What? It was the swelling of Jordan. It was the worst time ever to cross the river. What you're looking at is somewhere around a class four rapids is what they've estimated the, the, the flow was from, uh, from up at Mount Hermon all the way down to the Dead Sea. Class four rapids is what you got to cross in. Really? Some people think, man, can't you just wait till we build a bridge? Can't we just go around somewhere? Can't we take a few more days or weeks and go around all of this? No. God wants you to cross today. God wants some, some, some faith today. God wants you to trust him today. God wants you to reach out with everything that you've got today. God wants you to turn into a marble header today. He picked this site. So when you look at something like that, immediately because of our vision and because of our humanity, we start fearful. We start becoming fearful. We start becoming afraid of what's going on. We start, we start clamoring back and, and, and shutting things down and, and hibernating a little bit because we're afraid of what we can get involved into and we don't really want to do that. But God's here to help you, amen? How many believe that? So fear can set in all because of what you see. Fear can set in all because of what you hear about that goes on in our cities and our country. Fear sets in because uh, the report from the doctor isn't a very good report. Fear sets in because you get things that's, that's coming to your way and you don't know how to deal with it. So I'm here to help you overcome this fear. I'm here to help increase your faith a little bit because if God can see that two or three million Jews can get across that river, he can help us get anything in our lives that we want. All we've got to do is be available for him. All we've got to do is do our part. Fear is distressing emotion that's brought on by an independent danger or evil or pain. It's whether the threat is real or imagined, it's just being afraid. I would be afraid to cross that thing. I would be afraid and say, hey, Joshua, you know, you need to think this over a bit. Imagine starting out in an overflowing class of four rapids river and told we're going to cross here. Our current events and our circumstances that we hear and that we see and that we experience that involves our society, it involves our government and its leaders, it doesn't give us a lot of hope in tomorrow, does it? Now we're this close to World War III. Oh, let's just send 31 tanks over to the Ukraine, all the other stuff. What do you think goes along with a tank? Somebody that can operate it, somebody can repair it, somebody can train all that stuff. God's promise that he'll be with us wherever we go through, even if it's through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, I will fear no evil. David said, for thou art with me. How many feel the Lord in this place? How many believe that God is with you no matter where you go? I don't want to just come to church and feel the Lord and leave him here. I can change today and take him home. <laughs> Second Timothy 1 and 7 says, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I can agree with that, amen? Here's Romans. Let's go to Romans 8, 31, 35 through 39. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen to that? What can we say about all this stuff that's coming our way? God's for us. I don't know. Maybe it bears repeating and repeating. And if I have to tell myself that every morning that I get up, God, you are for me no matter what's facing my head. God, you're for me no matter what we're going to face next week or next year or next month. You're for me, Lord. Who can be against us? 
Let's go down to verse 35 of the 8th chapter of Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or class 4 rapids? Who can separate us from the promises that God's got for us? If he's promised you something, I'm here to tell you God's going to deliver. If there's a problem, it's not on God's side. It's on my side. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Listen, for I am persuaded. How do I get persuaded? I get persuaded because I look back at what God's done for me in my past. I get persuaded by I hear testimonies of what God has done for others. I am persuaded persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on and worship the Lord a minute. Yes, I love you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. When people don't have any hope, that's when they start fearing. When I read that, I immediately think of a song. My hope is built on nothing less. Then Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Oh, fear happens when there's no hope. But I'm here to tell you, you have hope. Don't go home, don't, don't leave this place without that hope. Don't leave that pla this place today without God touching you at an altar, without God lifting your spirits up, without God lifting your head up. Because when we're fearful, we want to cower down. We, we, we just don't want to look at things. We just don't, we want to go hide in a corner somewhere and shake and shudder in fear. God's here to lift all of that off of you if we just do what he asks us to do. Back to Raj, 1971, August 3rd. Buckeye Lake campgrounds, and I got the Holy Ghost. I'm just throwing this out. I didn't get the Holy Ghost back there. That's where I started praying. You know where I got the Holy Ghost? Right up here. No, yes. No, yes. No, yes. I'm not saying that God can't touch you back there. I'm saying there's more desire up here. Just a thought, just a thought. Back to the facts on the crossing. As was instructed by God, the priest that bare the Ark of the Covenant was to advance up the river approximately 1,000 yards away from the people, and all they had to do is put their feet in the water. But it was that water. I don't know. <clears throat> that rapids. And then watch God work. When they crossed the Red Sea, Moses is the one that really got involved. It was his cane that went out over. It was his statement to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But here you get a little more people involved. At Jordan. And this is just this is just my crazy opinion about this. You can take it or leave it. Same thing as up there, up there, back there, up here. Take it or leave it. We are all priests. We are all ministers. And we have our own personal ark that we carry. 
He's not a special one for everybody, even though it's over somewhere. Nobody knows where it is, so they'll make a movie about it. It's in a box somewhere. But you and your relationship with God and your covenant with God, you make your own little ark. Everything God does for you, you put it in there. Every, every testimony, every, every miracle, everything God does in your family, everything that, in, that involves your relationship with God and increases your faith, it's in this little ark, so to speak. So you're not just stepping out by yourself in this little ark, or this little box that you carry. You also have a lot of heritage. This is where I love this word. And just kind of let me go out here on a limb by myself if you want, or you can think about it and join me. But in my little ark, I've got a lot of years of preachers. I've got a bunch of family members that's been preaching the word for a long time. I've got parents. I've got grandparents that's been involved in the church, and some of you may not have that, but you know I've got a lot of heritage in my ark. So when I take the step of faith, and God wants me to cross this river, and my footsteps in there, it's not just Raj that's got it all. It's all my family. It's all the churches. It's everything. And if you've just got into this church today, you've got a bunch of heritage right into this building, and it's all in your ark. It's all in the covenant that you make with God. So believe me, don't just count yourself out and say, oh, you know what, I just don't have nothing. Yes, you do. You've got a lot of stuff. You've got a lot of belief. You've got a lot of faith that God wants to build up in you. So when you take your step and you get your foot wet to cross into the promised land of what God's got for you, you've got a lot of stuff going for you. That's just my opinion. But you're the one that makes it, that has to take the step of faith. Nobody else. God's not going to come down and grab your leg, move it like this. He's not going to grab this leg and move it like that. He's not going to grab your arm and raise it. He's not going to shut your eyes. But he will move on your heart. Sometimes I just don't know what to say or do or sing or what. Sometimes when I'm in the presence of God, I just start weeping because I feel like I'm this tall because the power of God just over uh, takes over my, my soul and I open everything up and God does something for me. I don't know. He just leads me on. But you don't have to have everything all together. Matter of fact, God doesn't want you to have everything all together because pride will set in and say, I don't need this. That's the worst thing that you can do. Pride will keep you on that side of the river. So you're the one that has to take a step of faith for whatever God has spoken to you about. Whatever he's promised to you. And whatever he's convicted you of. You're the one that has to take that step. Sometimes the worst thing to be is involved in church all your life because you become numb to everything. And the conviction that comes over your heart and, and knocks on your door and, and starts tugging on your heart, it doesn't bother you anymore. Why? Because you've, you've been there before, you've shunned it off, and you've played it away, and, and uh, you know, let's just hurry up and dismiss so I can go to McDonald's and we'll be all right. And we'll, we'll, we'll live through the week and come back for the next Sunday. That's not how God, that, that's not how it's going to be. Do you realize it's different? The world's different. We're not going to be pre-pandemic stuff anymore. Oh, that's gone. And the best place that I can be is closer to God. Huh. So here's what happens next at the crossing. Around 20 miles upstream, up the river, a place called Adam, God put his hand down. God put his hand down. 
How many of you that God's put a hand down in your life somehow and stopped everything flowing so that you can go and do what you want, so that God can get you to where he wants you to be? It's a miracle, and, and, and it, it's, it's a spectacular thing, and we may not know till we get on the other side and see it in a, in a replay video or whatever they're going to do in heaven. <coughs> Excuse me, but it's been time and time again that God has put his hand down and stopped things from happening that should have happened to you, but it didn't. You should have been, a, you know, a few hundred feet more up the road where the accident happened, but it didn't. You should have uh, been on time, but for some reason you were late, so you missed everything. How many know what I'm talking about? And then there's the other way around that says, well, we don't usually do this, but we're giving you this opportunity. It's another hand of God, amen? So the water's piled up. The river dried up, so as long as the as it took to get the millions of Israelites across the Jordan River to do what God had promised them to do. I don't have to explain it. I just have to believe it. I don't have to explain it. I just have to have faith. I don't have to explain it. I just have to be persuaded. I don't have to explain it all. I just got to believe that God is able. I don't have to answer for it. I just got to say, Lord, I trust you. I don't have to explain where he's at. I just got to say, Lord, I need you here, and I know that you're around somewhere. I don't have to explain how it all happens. I just know when I'm in his presence that my heart feels different, that my soul feels different, that when I raise my hands, I get closer to him. I don't know how. I don't have to explain it, but you know what? When you open your heart up and you open your soul up, God comes in even more. Because he sees a soul that needs some help. Musicians, if you come. I'm just going to read something out of this book, if you bear with me, please. It's such a, it's three sentences. This is under the chapter that says, weep over your city. And I kind of throw in the country as well. And I kind of throw in our government. I kind of throw in our flag, all our military people, our police Rod, you're just weird today. I know I'm weird. But I know you feel different than you did last month. You feel different than you did 21 days ago. Because we're going in the right direction. And we don't want fear to take us or intimidation to, 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 to put us on the side and say, no, I don't want to cross This is written by a man named James Burns. Talks about how you feel when you hear all this stuff in your city that's falling apart. What I hear on the news, I'm glad I don't live in Chicago or L.A. or New York. I meet people from New York. I shake my head and almost cry on their shoulder. (sighs) A period of gloom sets in, doesn't it? They're describing your city and the sin and the, the, all that's going on. A weariness and an exhaustion invades your heart. The pleasures of this world no longer satisfy. Maybe I'm describing a burden. My soul is sick. Men turn with a, high, with a sigh to God. And slowly, this aching grows. The heart of a man begins to cry out for God, for spiritual certainties, for fresh visions, for a touch from the Almighty. 
when we read about what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen this week, but I know it's going to move me to do something that I not normally do. Maybe instead of lunch, we go and sit somewhere and pray for 15 or 20 minutes, however long they give you. Maybe instead of doing something that you want to do at your house, you go and find a prayer closet and you bend your knee and you just start weeping before the presence of God. I don't know. I don't know what it takes, but we're going to cross this thing. And God's going to help us. Amen? So here's the last point of this. The instructions were also given that one man from each tribe to go out where the priests were standing with the ark, pick up a stone from the midst of the river, and carry it to the other side for memorial. We must spiritually do the same thing. Stand with me, if you will. We must spiritually make a trade, so to speak, that you put something down that God is dealing you with about today and that you pick up something that God wants you to carry and, and, and lighten the world with. If it's fear, I've got to put fear down at an altar of prayer and I've got to pick some faith up when I get up to go home. If it's pride, I've got to throw my pride down and pick up some humility. God wants you to pick something up in the middle of this stream where this miracle happened in your life and walk out and go and to tell everybody else around that this is what God has done. This is a memorial for me, and this is what I'm going to put in my ark. If it's shame, you don't have to live with shame. God's got forgiveness for you today. Maybe it's healing. I don't know. He's just seen you in the night. He's just heard you when you hard, when it's hard to get out of bed. He's, he's there. He hears you. If you're discouraged, you need some encouragement. If it's selfish, desires, put those down in the midst of this river. Pick up selflessness. If it's distractions of life, Put those down and pick up more prayer time. And above all, if it's apathy, boy, is that a trouble thing, isn't it? Ah, I just don't care about it. If it's apathy, set it down the middle of this river. Pick up some hot desire and anointing from God. Joshua 5 and 1 says this, came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, when he heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over and their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. So when I take a step of faith, when I get my foot wet, when I believe God that parts everything, when I know he'll put his hand down and I know all that stuff stops, my fear subsides, my desire for him and faith rise up. When the enemy sees that, John, if you could show the last slide. I know this is hard to see, but if you look out over those mountains, this is Jericho looking eastward to the Jordan River. That's a big valley, Rod. There's a lot of houses in there, yeah? <laughs> but it was full of two, three million Jews that had crossed. The people on, on Jericho, they are very safe. They said, they'll never cross that. There's no way they're going to get across it. We've heard about what they did in the Red Sea and all in Egypt. Hey, we're safe here. When God did a miracle in their lives, who started fearing? The enemy did. The enemy did. We're going to open this altar today. If you have something that you need to trade in with God, it's here. If you need to lift up your spirits of God, it's here. If you need a healing in your body, it's here. If you need faith encrusted in your life, it's here. 
If you need God to do miracles in your family, it's not necessarily you. It's your family. God can do it. Amen. I've seen the faithfulness of God, the stillness I the storm, the promise of the shore. I trust the power. I trust the power of your
Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is going to be with us. He is for us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We're going to baptize somebody today. Amen. God's got a hold of his heart. and it's All he's been talking about is baptism uh, and getting baptized. And so today he decided to get baptized. And so we're going to baptize Elijah in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible said, Jesus said, unless you become as a child, amen, you're not going to get into heaven. And so what, what did he, God got a hold of this child's heart. So God needs to get a hold of our heart. He's trying, he's reaching for us. Amen. We got to answer, answer the call and answer the voice. Amen. Amen. So let's continue to worship as we get ready to baptize him. Amen. In the precious name of Jesus. If anybody else has not been baptized, amen, we're starting it now. So you can come on back and we'll baptize you as well. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate and worship as we get ready for this. And also there's still some cards here, some people's names. If you want to come and grab them, we don't want to leave anybody behind. If you've already grabbed some, that's okay. Grab another one. Amen. As we uh, get ready to do this. You are here. 